The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, uh, welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, um, and our second episode which we are going to be of the week, which we are going to be talking about Queers Folk. But before we get into that, um, it's very important um, that we also focus on what is going on in the world right now, on the protests, um, and doing what we can, using our voice for change. Um, and um, the statement I'm about to read, I want to give credit where credit is due. We believe in every word of the statement, but I want to give credit where it's due. Um, this is a statement created by uh, the Women of Color Podcasters, which is a community helping women of color amplify their voices, connect, share resources, collaborate, and geek out about all things podcasting. Um, and they have started Podcasters for Justice, um, which is take a stand and get involved in the Podcasters for Justice campaign, which we are doing. Um, and so you will... Uh, notice that we will be sharing um, a lot of uh, petitions. We already have. We're going to be sharing more on our pages. Um, we're trying to be better about the Instagram part. I know I'm not as good about that part because I'm just not very good at Instagram, I'll be honest. Um, and then also places where you can donate money. One thing with the donating money is please be sure that um, if you if you hear stuff that says that you know a certain fund, like I I I know there's one in Minnesota that just that was asking people to stop sending the money because, you know, which is, this is a great thing. They were getting overwhelmed with money and they wanted to make sure other places got money as well. So that's the big thing. I'm, I'm going to try and be good about that, but um, I just want to put that out there too. Um, and here's one first simple petition that you can sign. If you text Floyd, F-L-O-Y-D, to 55156, you can sign a petition to demand justice for George Floyd, who was murdered by the police. Um, and then you can also sign up at Color of Change to be notified of more opportunities to take action. And like I said, we're going to keep linking um, we'll link to something in the show notes that gives just, I'm sure you've seen it go around, but I think it's a great uh, resource to sort of see areas where you can help because we have to do something. We can't just post black boxes or whatever and, you know, and say black lives matter. We have to mean that, you know, we can't just say it. We have to mean it. So we have to take action. Um, and so this following statement um, is one we believe in. One we are going to follow. We are going to do everything we can um, to be that change, to make that change. So we are a podcast united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black Lives Matter 
We believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witnesses to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices, and we will use our voices to speak against anti-blackness and police brutality, and we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. Action. Black Lives Matter. Okay, And once again, once again, like I said before our Will and Grace podcast, this goes to my fellow white people out there. Okay, we need to be better. We need to do more. I'm talking to myself here too, not just everyone else. I'm talking to myself too. You know, I could do better. We could all do better. We need to call out racism whenever we see it. We need to call it microaggressions, all of that. We need to do that. It doesn't matter who the person is. Okay, we can't be polite. Like I said before, no more of that. That's not, it's not time for that. We need to use our privilege to make a difference. Okay. So make sure that when you see those, you call them out, you say something. Okay. And I realize that some people will not listen to you, but maybe some people will. And it's not about that. It's a, and it's not just about that. You know, it's about using that privilege and speaking up and calling that out so that it's not on everybody else to do that. So it's not on black people to do that. So that we can be those allies that we claim to be. And that's that's how that's one of the ways we do it. That's one of the ways. We also need to educate ourselves more. We need to read. We need to research. Look, and do not ask black people to do this for us. Okay? We can't because that's free labor. It's not fair. We do not need to be doing that anymore. They do not need to be taking that on. Okay. That's on us. Okay. I mean, it's very easy to Google right now. And right now, it takes about two seconds to find the information you're looking for. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. And that's what this podcast is going to do. Okay. We are using this month to focus on pride. We are. Um, and I think, and on top of that, we're going to be focusing on this because this is important too. Um, yeah. So like I said, we uh, believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that black lives matter. And we believe that to be silent is to be complicit. Okay. okay. So now we're going to get back to our main topic, which is the show Queers Folk. And this is continuing our celebration of pride but we're still going to keep talking about this. We're still going to have these conversations because we need to. Okay. And once again, like I said, there's going to be links in the show notes. So um, please follow those links. Please sign as many petitions as you can. Please donate. Uh, please use your voice. Um, please, please, please just be part of the change. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So let's get into this week's episode. We're continuing our celebration of Pride Month with Queer Spoke, <laughs> which, as I've said, is my absolute all-time favorite show. 
But as I've also said, I do have some critiques of it. So we will, we will be getting into those. And I, I, maybe some of my panel has critiques as well. So, And I'm also very excited because we have on a new panelist who I have known since I was five years old. So basically my whole life. And she's on with her wife. So I'm very excited about that. And her wife, Sarah, has been on here before. And I was in their wedding. I was one of Joyce's bridesmaids. So I'm very excited to have both of them on here. Um, so before we get into all things Queer as Folk, we're going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. We'll start with you, Danelle. Hi. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to be here today. And um, thank you for saying what you said, Aaron. Um, Black Lives Matters. And um, I'm going to keep saying it to you and shouting it from the rooftop. Black Lives Matter. Um, with that being said, um, what am I liking about pop culture right now? Um, well, I just finished rewatching Queer as Folk, um, and I've also been watching Dead to Me, which has been a lot uh, of yes. um, very interesting show. So um, I'm kind of loving that right now. So I'll put that recommendation out there for anybody who hasn't caught that yet. Yeah, that's a great show. I I didn't like the second season as much as the first, but I still think it's, I think the two of them are so amazing. Have, and I don't know if anybody else has, on the panels watched that, but that's a really good show. And then Joyce, first time guest, Joyce, if you want to introduce yourself. Yes, thank you for having me, Erin. I'm really excited to be here. I think your podcast is amazing. I think it's incredible that you're doing this. So um, thank you for using your platform to speak. That's really important. Um, What is my thing that I really like right now? There are so many things that I'm crazy about as far as like podcasts and it's hard to pick one. Um, I think right now I'm really liking a podcast called Good Dog, which gives you dog training tips and they have like dog experts on there. Um, which is, it's, I just, really like, um, and they, on that podcast, they list, they recommended a book called The Dog Listener which is um, based on this woman who studied wolves and their behavior and then kind of translated it into training your dog. So it's been really effective. and I've enjoyed it a lot. So that's kind of what I'm into right now. Yeah, I should listen to that one. So I'll have to add it to my list of podcasts. So awesome. And then Sarah? Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me on here again. These are so much fun and I'm really excited to to do Pride season with you, especially since Denver Pride has been moved to a virtual platform and I'm so used to rallying the troops to lead the Pride Parade every year. So it'll be nice to actually see the Pride Parade instead of be in it. So, but uh, yeah, thank you for saying what you said about Black Lives Matters. Um, I think it's, definitely our responsibility as a white person to leverage our privilege as much as possible to ensure that we are advocating for people in the most proficient and profound ways possible. So it starts with being bearing witness and it starts by using our voice. So thank you. Um, Thank you. One of my, 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 my uh, interest has shifted from since the last podcast I've done with you. (laughs) 
Uh, I am almost done watching Vikings. <laughs> nice. Love that show. It's uh, I love the history and the weird little twists that they've added to it. And um, I have a friend who's very is an archaeologist by education and background, and she's super into all this dorky stuff. But she reminds me that it's very Hollywood, which I'm fine with. But <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice knowing that even like some of the things that I watch, a lot of the things that my our daughter reads, she's also interested in the same topics. So it's kind of neat to connect with her in, in that way. And I just realized that recently, so I'm excited to actually talk to her about it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's one I haven't checked out, but I know a few people that really love that one. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is Aaron. And the thing I'm into is there's a documentary called, um, and I'm just making sure I'm getting it correctly, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and it's really good. It's it's all about actor Mark Patton, who starred in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is known as being the gayest horror film ever made is what a lot of people say um because there's a lot of homoerotic subtext although really it's pretty much blatant it's not even necessarily even subtext um but this documentary is a lot about what happened to him when he made that movie and how it kind of almost ruined his life it changed his career um you know it's a very successful film which i think people forget about even though people kind of hate the film but it was really successful and he wasn't out yet and the film outed him in a way. So it's, and the people didn't, the people that were behind the scenes writing it, making it, they never, it took him forever to come, especially the guy who wrote it. He would not admit that the film, what the film was really about, you know, a man coming out basically and struggling with his sexuality is really what the film is about, but he never, ever would admit it. So it always put Mark Patton on this, you know, he always had to take the brunt of the questions. Um, there was even criticism, of course, because um, this was in the 80s. So it was. it's just a very interesting documentary that I highly recommend um, because he kind of went into hiding for years and he moved to Mexico and where, where he lives with his partner. I don't know if they're married or not. I can't remember. But it's just it's just a really fascinating one, and you can rent it. Um, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I think you can rent it on other streaming devices, uh, streaming services as well. But I recommend that one. Also, if you're a fan of horror and the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I also recommend it for that reason too. So it's really interesting. Okay, so let's get into queer as folk. Um, and. So this would be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this conversation just to let everybody know. This is one of the ones I've been looking forward to the most. Um, so what we're going to start out with is just sort of, if you can just tell me a few of your favorite episodes or seasons that you have. Danelle, I'll start with you. Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know if there's a particular season that I love more than others, because I think there's something I really liked about every season. One thing I truly love about this show is that I felt like it was very consistent throughout the entire um, series. Like for me, it just felt like it was pretty consistent. Um, so as far as favorite episodes go, I would say, um, you know, the pilot was really fun just because I'd never seen anything like it. You know, it was so in your face and like, whoa. <laughs> um, 
And then also, I think the the Babylon uh, bombing was a huge one um, that sticks to mind. Um, the the trip to Toronto, and you know, talking about the wedding and um, Michael and Ben's wedding, and um, I think those were big ones for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's those are good ones. And Joyce, do you have some favorite episodes or seasons? Um. Well, I watched this religiously with you, Erin. Yes, we did. <laughs> and I, it was such a joy and it was such a different experience to like binge watch it because it's mm-hmm. such like softcore gay porn and it's like, <laughs> can you watch a totally. in one stretch, you know? And so we tried to get through all of the episodes, but we didn't quite make it. So I feel like I'm not making a completely informed response to this question because (laughs) even though I've watched the whole series, it's been a long time since I have, but I just really generally like the theme of um, Brian's relationship with Justin. And so anytime that relationship like evolves in a, in an episode and like, their relationship is, um, they go a little more in depth with it. And I, I don't know, I just, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more, but yeah. those episodes I really like because I feel like those characters really honor who the other one is. And yeah. that kind of was one of the things that made me continue watching the show. So I can't say a particular episode, but any of them that have that theme, I <laughs> And Sarah, do you have any favorite episodes? Uh, you know, just reflecting on watching what I did with Joyce and some some of it I watched when it first came out and I'd go to the gay club down in Salt Lake City with my friend Peter and we'd go watch Queer as Folk and have a beer or a burger or whatever at the bar. <laughs> it was fun, but I think the pilot episode, because... For me, it's very nostalgic. It reminds me of like these fun times when I was a late teenager and things were kind of evolving for me as a open lesbian in Salt Lake City, Utah. It was, it was kind of like a coming of age story. It was very in your face with, so I didn't have to be in your face about it. <laughs> so I was kind of doing it on my behalf and just even watching it seemed like a sense of, uh, an act of rebellion, especially in a Mormon community. So it was, it was, for me, it's nostalgic, but also very empowering. And it's, it just brings back so many memories of going to the clubs with all my friends and (laughs) evolving with my, my gay boyfriends and what they, they were, how they evolved and, and how this show actually influenced them in so many different ways. And like, I could see, my gay friends and all these different characters from junior high and high school, like, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. I remember, <laughs> I remember the shirts and the clothes and like mm-hmm. everybody engaged with each other. I was like, this is ridiculous, but that's how it was. And mm-hmm. so I think it just kind of gave um, a lot of gay men permission to explore their whole entire sexuality in a new way. And that's what I like the pilot episode is just in like mm-hmm. like we said earlier is in your face it's like I'm here I'm queer I'm <laughs> not going anywhere so yeah yeah 
Yeah, and yeah, the pilot episode is is really good. I think it's one of the best pilot episodes of any show. Um, and for me, since it's my all-time favorite show, I have like hundreds of different, I mean, ones I can mention. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not going to mention all of them. Um, I will mention um, the prom episode, uh, the, oh, yeah, the season that. finale. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was beautiful and then absolutely tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was it was so good. Um, and then I really love uh, Pride from season two. I really love the Pride episode. I thought that was really well done. Um, and I liked every character's sort of involvement in that and the, and what they were struggling with and, and Michael finally walking with his mom and everything and, um, and just an Emmett um, dealing with grief. And it was just, it was just such a great, I just really love that episode. And then uh, for my favorite season, season four for me is my favorite season. I think there was a lot of maturity in that season. Um, I think, and they tackled a lot of stuff. It was a sad season, of course, because um, Vic died in that season. Mm-hmm. But I, I just really, really, really liked that one. And I liked it ending with the um, bike ride and yeah. um, with yeah. Michael and Ben getting married. Because, And I've said this on, a, on our shipping episode, but they're my second favorite couple on the show. So that was <laughs> so I really loved seeing that. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's just so many you can mention, of course. Um, but let's get into the actual characters, and we're just going to talk about them apart from their relationships, apart from their romantic relationships um, or sexual relationships, that, you know, since there were a lot of one-night stands, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you said. There ain't much shipping uh, going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into them, and let's start with Michael. Um, and before we start with that, I want to just say really quickly, I remember when Joyce and I watched this, I remember one time, and I don't know if you remember this, Joyce, but you said to me, you said, so which one of these guys do you relate to the most? Which one do you relate to? <laughs> and I I wish I could, I think we both said Michael, but I know I said Michael. And we both said we wish we were like Justin, but we both said. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so accurate. Yeah, so, yep, so I just want to throw that out there first. Um, but Danelle, Danelle, what are your thoughts on Michael? Oh, I I love Michael. He's he's one of my favorite characters. I think his um, kindness and generosity, and just kind of a sweet person. Although what's interesting throughout the seasons, you see him kind of have these really well, frankly, bitchy moments. Like he can be really kind of mean sometimes. And I that's one of the things I love about the way they develop the characters, the writers, um, and the actors um, who brought them to life because they're all flawed. They're all so human. You know, there's not, there's nothing perfect about any of the characters. And that's why I think I love them all so much. I mean, uh, but Michael, there's just his kind of like holding on to that innocence a little bit. had that, that kind of boyish charm that he has. And he reminds me a lot of my best friend. So shout out to, to Jeff. I love you, bud. Um, but yeah, he reminds me a lot of my bestie, Jeff. And, and um, you know, that's who he related to the most. We had this conversation the other night, actually, when I told him that I was rewatching and going to be doing the podcast. So, um, yeah, definitely um, just his sweetness and, and who he is as a person. Wanting to always be there for others. It's funny because I have forgotten that he, like, narrates the show. And I was like, this is so funny because it's, like, the Wonder Years, but, like, gay porn. (laughs) (laughs) It totally reminds me of that. And he's, like, so innocent. 
wide-eyed and like naive in some ways, you know? So the first time I watched it, I, I was just like, oh, he's so sweet and innocent. And for some reason this time, it kind of bugged me, honestly, how like just, I don't know. I like, cause he seems a little doe-eyed, you know, and everyone else around him isn't that way. And, and in some ways, I think it's his saving grace. It's really endearing in some ways. But also, I'm like, oh, my God, get rid of your cartoon characters and grow up, man. <laughs> That's how I feel. But I, I do see his appeal. Um, and I was surprised at how differently I related to him now as opposed to, I don't know, when we were watching it gosh, however long ago it's been, 15 years, I'm not going to age myself. That's funny. I always think of Wonder Years and Queer as Mine. Someone needs to make a video combined. I'm, I'm putting that out there. Somebody do that, please. <laughs> it's like the totally grown-up version of, yeah, like totally. That's so funny. Um, and Sarah, your thoughts on Michael? Ah, uh, you know, every time I see, he's annoying. <laughs> he's annoying. He's like this whiny little baby gay boy who has like the perfect mom that every gay person ever fucking wants. That's true. And he just whines and complains about it. He like, he's in the closet excessively. He's not honoring who he is. And then he wanders around in this 12-year-old boy fantasy wearing bugle boy jeans and <laughs> these horrible baseball t-shirts. Like, you're a grown man. Act like a grown man. Like, and, and the thing is, like, I understand and appreciate the dynamics of him um, honoring his past and enjoying the, the things that brought him joy of comic books or robots or things like that. I have many friends that like are collectors of things like that. And I think it's sweet and endearing, but it takes it to an ex excess level with his character. And I mean, it takes him like seasons to be able to get out of his cartoonish bedroom set and be a grown man, you know? And I, I don't know if it's the dynamic about some of the gay men out there, especially when they come out of the closet, that they are this, these little twinks that just want to have a daddy to make them feel like a man or feel appreciated. And so I, I, that might be a stigma or a stereotype that I'm playing on, but that I think that show really portrayed him in that dynamic too intensely. Interesting. And, and no, it's interesting hearing that because I always hear everybody loves Michael. And so it's interesting to hear the different things. Cause I, you know, like I said, when Joyce asked me that question years ago and I said, I related to Michael. Um, I think a lot of that is, is Michael to me is the most, and I think it's a lot of what you guys are saying. He's the most insecure character on the show. I think he's even yeah. more insecure than Ted and Ted is very insecure, but I think he's even <laughs> more insecure than Ted. <laughs> so, and, and I think a lot of that is, and I've said this before on the show, 
when there's a character that has any kind of daddy issues, because he does have dad issues because he never knew his dad. Um, and his mom lied about who his dad was, you know? So I think, so any character that has dad issues, I instantly relate to them <laughs> because of my own <laughs> personal stuff. So I know that that's probably part of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, with, with the narration thing, you know, it's interesting because you saw the show shift from being focused on Michael to eventually it ended up being more focused on Brian. And I think that's a lot in response to the audience's response to the show. Um, mm -hmm. And then you noticed he stopped narrating until the series finale, and then he narrated again, mm -hmm. which made sense. Um, yeah. But I think you saw him grow a lot. And as far as with the comic book thing, I'm going to stick up for that a little bit, because especially <laughs> hosting a fandom podcast, um, <laughs> no, you know. I appreciated that. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. But I'm just going to say, you know, I have, like, collectible things from supernatural um i have like a really? mini version of the car and stuff like that but i but i see what you're saying too i think part of it was he was holding on to that youth thing and i think eventually <laughs> and i think eventually he did uh let go of that and i think who really helped him with that more than anything was number one ben and number two becoming a dad and not just a dad when he um helped Lindsay and mel but a dad to Hunter. I think that exactly. really helped yeah. him mature a lot. And he finally broke away from that boyhood fantasy. And we'll get into this when we talk about them together. But that boyhood fantasy that he had of being with Brian. Because that dominated so much of his life was Brian. Brian was, you know, everything. Brian was like God to him. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's why he held on to that kind of childish personality for so long. Yeah, where he was happiest, right? When he was that teenager with Brian, mm -hmm. and I think that's why he kind of got stuck there a little bit, yeah. you know, um, because they were so intermeshed. <laughs> so yeah, no, to yeah, I think that's that's totally totally true. Yeah, and so we'll just segue then and get into Brian, <laughs> or as I like to call him, sex on legs. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's how I'm going to refer to him. Um, <laughs> so, Danelle, what are your thoughts on Brian? Uh, Brian. Oh, Brian. Um, <laughs> to Gail Harold. I mean, he created such an amazing character with Brian. And, um, you know, Brian is such a, an immensely complex character. Um, you know, the first time I watched it, I didn't see the complexity until I watched it again. Um, and the second time through, you see so many layers to who that person is, um, you know, and on some levels, it's very predictable, you know, some of his, his issues, <laughs> um, but some of them are very nuanced too, you know, and he surprises you. And I think that's what I um, love so much about Brian and Brian truly is my favorite character on the show um, because of the growth that he goes through, you know, from the beginning of the series to the ending of the series and his coming to terms with who he is as a, a man growing older, right? He's not, he's, he's not the, the, the king of the club, so to speak anymore, um, you know, and falling in love with Justin, but then having the strength to know that he has to let go. Um, and it's what's best for both of them at the end. Um, so yeah, to see that growth, I think is, a, is immense. And you don't see that a lot in a lot of series. Um, and I think it was just beautifully done 
Um, so again, props to the writers and props to Gail Harold for uh, doing such an amazing job with that character. Absolutely one of my favorite characters in TV, actually. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Joyce, your thoughts on Brian? Yeah, I agree. I That's one of the things that I really like about him is how complex he is and how like you you can see that he has a good heart and that he's trying to do right by other people um but he, it doesn't occur to him to to do it in a way that's kind always sometimes he tries to do the best thing for other people by hurting them so that they'll move on um which is interesting and uh, it's you know, everybody gets mad at him for that. And he's kind of, he's kind of a scapegoat in a way for like doing so much wrong to other people. But you can see that he's, his true intentions are to help them be happy, even if it means that he has to suffer because of it, or he has to let them go. So I really like that about him. And I think like the situation where, um, he has to decide whether to pull the plug when his friend is in a coma says a lot about what his friends think of him. You know, I mean, that takes great strength and, you know, nobody would want to be in that position, but he, that says something about his heart that he would be able to show up for another person in that way, even though it would be so hard. And he didn't necessarily deal with it gracefully, but just the fact that, you know, it was known that he was the one that would be able to do it. Yeah. He has the strength about him that, that I respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah? I re- I really like him. At first, when you start watching the show, you're annoyed by him because he's a total hoe bag. <laughs> Very oh, flippant towards other people, but as, as you go through the seasons, you see that that's the his own depth of his character. But um, he's definitely the gay boy everybody wants to be, and also the one every every gay boy wants to be with. Um, but they also love to hate him and hate to love him. Um, I really like how he keeps his friends really close, but he keeps his emotions even closer. You never really know what he's really feeling. He keeps it so close to him because he knows that he had, I think he really understands his impact of his emotions on other people. So he's highly aware. And I think that shows an an immense amount of intelligence on his side. Um, But like Joyce said, he can be very harsh and brutal. And I think that's the uh, abrasive nature that is required in order to survive in the gay community, especially as a gay man. And to honor yourself and not apologize. That's one thing I loved about him is do not apologize. And that really gives people access to something beyond what society thinks about who they should be. Mm -hmm. And I think that he brings that strength to not only the characters, but 
to the whole entire gay community in that way. Be unapologetic about who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about Brian is that he comes off as the most selfish character and called that most of the times, but in reality, he's the most selfless Mm -hmm. out of all of them. Time after time, he gives up so much for the others. And I think it's not, they slowly start realizing that, you know, and I mean, it's still a running thing throughout the show that he's selfish, but really he's, he's the most selfless out of all of them. And I think that's, what's beautiful about him. Cause he, and again, you're, like you said, he doesn't apologize for who he is and he never will. And that's truly what I admired the most about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's these moments in the show. You're like, he's going to say, I love you. And I know it's going <laughs> to like lurking right behind there yeah and he doesn't use that he doesn't use emotions to manipulate people his actions always say it his actions yeah. say something very specific and it, that's not a language the rest of the his family and friends are used to seeing yeah well i think even that is nuanced because i don't think that he necessarily is that way completely out of good nature I think it's a protective mechanism for him. Yeah. Um, And he's probably, it's vulnerable, you know, and he's not able to do that. He's not able to relate. I mean, that's like kind of the whole story with his relationships, his romantic relationships. So even though he like is deliberate about how he emotionally connects with people, I don't think it's like, because he's trying to protect them or be no, super intelligent no. about it. I think he's true and probably trying to protect himself in some ways. Right. Too. Yeah, I agree with that, but there is an intelligence behind it. Yeah. Either way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting that everybody loves him because I actually was wondering if people wouldn't um, on here just because I was recently watching that. Um, oh, you watched it too, Danelle. They had um, Peter Page who plays Ted he did a live thing raising money for a lot of these organizations. I can't remember the names of the organizations now, but he had a lot of the actors except for Gail Harold wasn't on there. And um, Taya Gill, is that her name, who plays Lindsay? Um, they, they weren't on, but they had most of the cast on and a lot of you know recurring people were on there too and the writers. And the writers said that when they first, you know, they encountered, of course, a lot of homophobia when they made this, but they also encountered... Uh, you know, two main questions. Number one was who on who in the cast is really gay in real life would be one of the biggest questions they would be asked. And the second was they would tell them how much they hated Brian. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So it's yeah. And, and, you know, I can see it in a way because I think people think Brian is a narcissist, but I think he's the furthest. He's not a narcissist. That's, that's something that he wears as a shield to protect himself mm-hmm. because he has such a fear of rejection. Like you yeah. were saying, Joyce, a lot of it is just to protect himself. He's so afraid of rejection. He's so afraid of getting old because then he's afraid he will lose the one thing that he feels makes him valuable in the world. Um, and that's, yes. you know, his looks, his youth, his sexuality, um, his body, you know, he's so worried about losing that. And so that's why it was so interesting watching him in the cancer storyline when he got cancer, because you watched him push people away and not wanting to tell people that and not wanting to be vulnerable and still going to work. And so it was great when you saw that moment with Ted, you know, and he's telling Ted that he has cancer 
it's also kind of funny because he's like, it's the big C, and Ted's like, caffeine, cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) But watching him be like, okay, you take over and actually, you know, seceding some control, giving up control to somebody, especially Ted, who I think he has the least amount of connection with all the characters, you know? Interesting, though. Although he does a lot. Always dogs on Ted, right? Like, that's a running joke that he's always dogging on Ted, but whenever Ted is down, who's going to pick him up? It's always Brian. Like when he was arrested. Trust to handle his business. Mm. Ted. You know what I mean? Like, and that's huge. Brian's all about the money. So, you know, if he didn't care about Ted and didn't trust Ted and have faith in Ted, he would have never let him near his business. But that's who he put his trust in. So, again, I think it goes back to what we were saying about, you know, the core of who Brian really is. He really, truly loves and cares for his friends. He's just not going to ever advertise it, so to speak. His actions are going to speak for him, you know. Did you say advertise it when he's an advertiser? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that's a lot of the reason he values money so much and that's a lot of the reason he is in advertising I think is because it's a way to uh, it goes back to distancing yourself from people and you know kind of shuttering yourself off and having that money is another protection thing and it's also another big F you to straight society I think that's another it's a big F you look at how success and also the many times that he takes on a client that is homophobic and then, you know, there's so many times when he does that, like with the Stockwell thing. Also, there was one right around the Pride episode, the, that guy who had some horrible wine coolers that he made. And then he ended up turning it and he's like, nope, you, this is this is your crowd that's going to buy this. Yeah. Um, and so watching him do that of just basically saying, yeah, I'm just going to stick it to these people because this is how I can do it. And why not just kind of use their hatred and, you know, against them. Um, and then also make money at the same time and be successful. So, yeah, so he's just, he's, I mean, I love the character. I I always loved the character. I found him the most interesting. He was so fascinating to watch, watching him grow, watching him let down his guard some. And we'll get into this with Justin, because I think that's where you really start to see it. Uh, and then also watching him with Deb. I can't wait till we talk about them together because I think their relationship is amazing. It's really fascinating and interesting mm-hmm. to watch them together. Um, and Gail Harold, I just want to say about his performance is, you know, Brian can come off as cold, callous, um, but there's always this vulnerability there and you see it in the eyes and that's all because of Gail Harold. There'll be, you know, moments where you see people telling Brian who he is and this is who he said he is on the outside and you can see this hurt in his eyes, almost Mm -hmm. like that's not who I really am. And I wish people would see who I really am. And it's it's very interesting. So I just want to throw that out there because I think when an actor can perform with their eyes, where you see the character in the eyes, that's really amazing. So, yeah. And it's a very fearless performance. It's a very, very fearless performance because he has to be just all out, you know, completely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really, really fearless performance. And then I think the other fear, really fearless performance is um, Justin, a.k.a. Sunshine. So <laughs> the guy that, like I said to Joyce, I wish I was more like Justin. <laughs> I think Justin is so brave. But um, so let's get into Justin. Danelle, what are your thoughts on Justin? Oh, yeah. Um, he's such a fun character. 
um, such a such a treat. Um, and I actually got to meet Randy uh, Harrelson once at um, a voting event. I think it was an HRC voting event, actually, um, at JR's in Denver years ago. And um, he was just an absolute <laughs> delight, such a sweetheart. Um, so, but anyway, Justin is such a fun character and I, I love his fearlessness. I mean, you know, here he is this young kid, um, kind of coming out into the world, right. Into, um, the gay community. And he just like goes for it. He sees this Brian, he wants him and he's not stopping him. And Brian is so harsh to him at first. I mean, if somebody talked to me that way, I'd be running like a hundred miles away. Like, oh my gosh, this person hates me. Um, but he just keeps coming back for more. He sees something there. And to have that kind of tenacity and belief in yourself that you know that that's where you belong and that's what you want and that's what you're going to get and you're not going to settle for anything else. Wow. What a what a powerful message from a character, you know, to, to kind of say, wow, this person is not going to give up. And, and that's one of the things I love about Justin. So, yeah. And Joyce, your thoughts on Justin? I think he's so inspiring. Like he had to navigate so much coming out to his parents and trying to have a relationship with Brian and figuring out the gay community and just his character evolved so much. And he, like when he got injured and he recovered and he was, he's just so... I don't know if the right word is tenacious, but he doesn't give up. He just doesn't give up. And yeah, he just has so much heart. I think he's wonderful. And I love his relationship with Deb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, Sarah? Uh, you know, there, most of the time I find him quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm like... I'm like a bad girl in this situation no. but like he has like this amazing household where his mom follows him around so concerned about him like again that's another example of a mom that most of us wish we ever had when we came out of the closet that they were concerned they actually wanted to know and understand they were confused you know but also he He's definitely one of those gay boys that runs blindly into this idea of what he thinks is what it is to be gay and has no awareness of the impact and the um, the potential to be in these dangerous situations where he, he ends up with her wrong. Like, being gay... <laughs> definitely requires a sense of awareness especially when you come out that young and even in like his situation a very christian school environment a structured school environment where it's not okay to be gay you know um and i think i'm just i'm mostly speaking from my experience and my lens of going to a mormon call a mormon high school and and school growing up in utah that it was it was scary to be gay and it was there was repercussions and so you had to have a safe community and being flippant and um, ignoring the impact that you have on other people or yourself or your family um, 
when you're just shouting from the rooftops, I'm gay, you know, it's, that can be a dangerous place to be in. Um, but I do like how, um, he brings this, he does bring a brightness and energy and genuine dynamic about being excited about life uh, to the show. And that, I think in some ways that reminds Brian of what it's like to be young and gay. And so I think that's one of the reasons why he attaches to him so much. It's a reminder of who he was. And as long as he can hold on to Justin, he can be young. Um, and we can get more into that in, in the relationship dynamics. But I, 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 I think Justin doesn't understand the shoulders of the people that he is standing on and the privilege he has because of the people that came before him. And so I, I think that naivete comes out really strong in his character in the beginning, and I don't think he really understands it until later um, some capacity. So initially he's annoying, but overall I, I do appreciate his character and, and, and how he interplays with the other ones, but he's not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think that's very interesting, and I think it's good to get other viewpoints on the characters. You know, not everybody... <laughs> Well, like everyone, that's why I thought it was so fascinating that we all liked Brian, because I really was not expecting that. Um, so, so no, I think that's great to get another viewpoint on Justin. Um, and I see exactly what, what you're saying and some, some of the ways he approaches some things. Some of, some of the ways he talks to his mom and some of them, I'm like, I think part of that is he's a young guy and he's talking to his mom the way a lot of young teenagers and young adults talk to their moms sometimes mm -hmm. but his mom is so amazing I mean his mom like you said is just so great and wonderful and you know she knows before he even says anything to her she knows yeah. that he's gay um, and she wants so badly to connect to him um, and so there is sometimes there is a little bit of selfishness there um, and he does get called on it. You know, Brian calls him on it a lot with his mom, I think, especially, especially after he's injured and his mom, you know, asks Brian to take him in and, uh, you know, Brian's saying, you don't know how lucky you are to have a mother like that, especially compared to Brian's awful, atrocious mom, you know, so it's just, it's, so it is very, so that is a very very good point about about Justin. Um, what I think is amazing about Justin is watching him from the pilot all the way to the end. Because in the pilot, he's this very scared kid, really. He's just a very scared guy. And then you watch him get this confidence. And at times it might be overconfidence, but he still gains this confidence and the security and he eventually gains security enough to not have to need somebody else there, I think. Because I think a lot of times he was clinging on to other people to help him with that. And mm -hmm. I think he got to a point where he didn't need that. Um, and it's great to watch him as an artist and to watch how many times he falls and gets back up. I mean, not only being bashed, but he also, you know has the struggle with his hand after being bashed and with whether or not he's going to be an artist anymore and his struggle with, you know, being a go-go dancer basically, or being, you know, for a little bit and then uh, running into the guy in uh, the beginning of season four uh, with the vigilante storyline um, and finally confronting his attacker 
Um, and just watching him have all these moments where he kind of falls and then he gets back up and, you know, he's such a romantic too. He's such a romantic. He just really <laughs> wants, you know, he wants that white picket fence and he wants forever and have watching him when he was in the relationship with, how am I forgetting his name, but the violinist, you know, oh, and that, yes, thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, watching that where that was his ideal of what he was searching for. And that guy ended up lying to him and cheating on him. Um, you know, and even though Brian slept around a lot, you know, he expected that Brian was upfront about that. That was never something he was hiding. Mm -hmm. So it was just interesting watching that where he was like having to confront the fact that maybe his romantic ideals weren't really what was going to end up happening with him. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, and I think Randy, I think his performance is so amazing. I think you watch him grow as an actor the same as you're watching this character grow. Right. You watch him stretch and and um, take on more. And I know he has said personally his favorite storyline doing was the prom. That was his favorite storyline. Um, but yeah, he was he was he's he's a I I love him and I think he's a very interesting character to watch. And I think Sunshine fits him. I think that nickname mm -hmm. fit, fit him perfectly. So. So let's get into um, one of my other favorite characters, Emmett. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Emmett? <laughs> oh, Emmett is so fun. Um, he is just like that ball of energy that you just want around. He's like a, he is like another little sunshine, right? Like he's always got something positive or something going um, energy wise. And I think that's what I love about him. Um, my only disappointment, I think he's, he doesn't grow and change as much, I think, as some of the other characters. I don't see that arc with him as much. And you guys might see something different, so I'll be interested to hear what you guys say. Um, I didn't feel that with him when I rewatched the show as much. I mean, I see some change in some of his relationships, but he's still very much Emmett, you know? Like, he's still the same kind of that bubbly, high-energy, effeminate character. Um, and he's a little bit of a stereotype. Um, and I, I think, you know, he represents a, a section of, of that, of the community, right. That, um, sometimes gets a little poked fun at, um, I'm just going to say it because I, I have friends who, who've done that in the gay community who've made fun of that character type of character. Um, but I, I love that. I think he's always, um, there to help his friends. He's always been an, an ear, you know, for Ted, um, his relationship with Teddy, um, and Michael, and of course, um, he's there for Deb, you know, when she needs somebody there, um, which Deb is a great character too. And I hope we get to talk about her a little yeah, bit. She definitely will. <laughs> but yeah, M's interesting. My favorite, I think my favorite storyline with M is his relationship with Drew. I think that's when we would get to see more about Emmett, not just kind of a, a slight, like a characterization, if you will. I think we get to see more growth from him in that section, in that season, um, or that arc of the story. Him and Drew is, is that's a, that's a interesting storyline for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. And your thoughts on Emmett, Joyce? I just think he has such a kind heart and he genuinely is willing to put other people's ahead of his own. And yeah. Some people do that and, and it costs them something, but for him, it doesn't seem like it costs him anything. It seems like he genuinely 
wants other people to be happy and it's uncomplicated with him. Like some of the other characters, they're trying to do the best thing for other people, but they, the way they do it is complicated and, and sometimes har harmful. And Emmett just like, he rolls with things and he doesn't do it as a sacrifice. He's just like, yeah, okay. Three of us can live in this little apartment. It's fine. <laughs> you know? And he's, mm -hmm. he's so willing to do that. And I, I admire that about him. Mm -hmm. And you, Sarah? Honestly, when I think about Emmett, he's probably my favorite character above Brian. Um, I think what I like about him, and I, I, this is definitely opposite of you, um, is that I love his consistency. I, I love that he's, he is willing to show up and he's willing to be genuine and just be himself. And like when he's feeling shitty, he's feeling shitty and he's okay with being there and <laughs> he's happy. He's happy and he's okay with being there. And like, he is, he is, he is the center, the centered person in that whole show that really puts an anchor and a backbone for the rest of the characters. He shows up for Ted in profound ways. He shows up even for Brian. Like, let's go over and talk to Brian so he can give a shit. So that way it'll make him feel better. Like, he understands the complexity of all the people around him. And he just shows up for them. And, yeah. um, like, he's, he's unapologetic for who he is. And, mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's almost like Brian, but take it down like 12 notches. Like, he doesn't have to be exuberant about his sexuality. He doesn't have to be exuberant about that. He's just, he just is. Mm -hmm. And he's comfortable in his own skin. And I love that about him. And yep. if I could be friends with Emmett, I would in a heartbeat. Like, he is <laughs> so too. fabulous. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. I want to have drinks with him. And yes. dance with him. Yes. And, like, <laughs> he's the gay boyfriend you wish everybody had. Like, right? he's fabulous he's, he's, but he's unimposing and he's he's just genuine he's okay with being who he is and that's what I love about him mm -hmm. the most God. yeah yeah he's I I adore Emmett I absolutely adore Emmett and I've told um and Carla probably won't be listening to this episode because I've been trying to get her to watch Queers Folk for forever so I'm hoping she's not listening because it's going to spoil everything but I even told her I said if you don't fall in love with Emmett I will be just absolutely shocked because I think he's he's just like you said Sarah yeah I would love to go dancing with him oh, yeah. I would just he's just so much fun and he um and yeah he doesn't really change but I do agree. I think that's what's so great about him. And I know Peter yeah. Page, who plays Emmett, has said that. He said he's his character is the only one that doesn't change that much. And he said it's because he's already grown. He's already yeah. he yeah. is. Yeah. He doesn't need to change because he's who he is. And he always is consistently who he is. Um, I think sometimes, you know, he does let, sometimes he lets people take advantage of him. You see that in his relationship with Ted when they were dating. Mm -hmm. Um you would see that at times where he wouldn't put himself first. Um, and, and it was great when he would, what I loved, I loved the scene with him and Brian where they're dancing and Brian tells him, you know, you need to forget about Ted right now. You need to put yourself first. 
Yes. And where he dances with me, said, I thought you'd want to be the center of attention for a moment. And yeah. their whole little exchange and how you watched uh, Emmett go from being angry at Brian for pulling him out there to actually letting go and being free and dancing and being mm-hmm. himself again and yeah. being like, yes, I'm going to put myself first here. Right. Um, and, it, and it was so great to see because I just I, I just I adore Emmett. He's he's the one out of all of them that I would most want to be friends with i'd most want to have in my life mm-hmm. um you know he's just he's so great and like um and i brought this up in the will and grace episode when we talked about jack because jack in will and grace is also talked about as being a stereotype yeah um because he's so flamboyant and so out there <laughs> but but the line that i love in the pilot from michael when michael is describing emmett when he says but you've got to admit, it takes a lot of courage to be a queen in a room full of commoners. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I think that fits, that's such a great line. Yeah. And it's great for Emmett. And, it, and I used it uh, for uh, Jack when we, were, when we did our Will and Grace episode as well. Because it's true. It takes a lot of courage to be so much yourself like that. Um, and, you know, he grew up in the South. And so it's, that takes even more courage, if you ask me. I mean, that had to be just incredibly hard to do that. Um, So, yeah, I just, I I always want to give him a hug and (laughs) (laughs) he's just so sweet. And I, and I love Peter Page too. He's awesome. He's great. You guys should listen to, there's a podcast called Keep It. That's really good. And there's an episode where he's on there. Um, And you guys should listen to that because he's, he's really awesome. He's an awesome, awesome guy. <laughs> I'm adding that to my podcast list right now. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Ira Madison is amazing. He's so great. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I recommend that one. Okay, so let's get into my least favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, spoiler. Um, Ted. <laughs> Danelle, what are your thoughts on Ted? Uh, oh, boy. Um, Ted's interesting to me because he's like the most enigmatic of the character of the crew he's kind of like all over the place like he goes from like being this straight-laced you know accountant kind of guy to being this pornographer to like he's kind of his arc is really interesting to me um but there is something enduring about him as well I mean I think he's always he's kind of even though he has these wild episodes in his life he's still kind of a, a a constant in all of the in the group you know like you were kind of saying like Emmett um is kind of that sunshiny uh positive energy helping everybody because it's the right thing to do and he doesn't he does it so effortlessly Teddy's kind of that rock I think to me to everybody on the show like he's just kind of there you know like he's just kind of that let's practical and look at this from this angle even when he's um running his website you know, it's very, this is what we got to do, point A to point B. So he's, yeah, I, I, I like Teddy. But again, I would hang out with any of these characters. So that's, personally, I'd be friends with any of them. I think they're all. <laughs> um, but that would be, I think, the most interesting thing for me about Ted is that he's kind of like this really interesting, all over the place, can go f- from, you know, one extreme to the other sort of you know um but he's he definitely is there for his friends and I, you know we see that um over you know time and time again so yeah interesting character 
And Joyce, your thoughts on Ted? Um, he does have redeeming qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't suck. I mean, he's, he's entertaining. Like, the thing he did where he was, like, picking up Brian's leftovers by coming up with accounting pickup lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember that? It was like, what? Why is that working for you? But it was. And yeah, I mean, I think like his storyline, some of the things that happen to him are just heart wrenching, just heart wrenching. And so a lot of that is really raw and vulnerable and hard. To, like some of it was hard for me to watch. Um, and so that part was, I think, honest, you know, like that part where he's like in rehab and he's scrubbing the floor and the guy that he used to date, I forget his Blake. name, Blake, Blake, he's like, yeah, he's like, see, I'm going on a date. And you could just see like how devastating that was for him to just be like at the lowest low point of his life, you know? And like, I don't know. I just think like, all of us have experienced that feeling where we feel completely alone and like we're scrubbing the floor and life sucks and it's really hard. And he had been through so much hard stuff and it was so like in those moments I can connect to him. Um, and I think they really did a lot with his character to tell stories about things that probably do happen in the gay community that aren't, talked about the same way I mean that maybe they're talked about in the straight community like you know I mean I don't think they're talked about enough in the straight community either but like sexual assault and and mm -hmm. being gang raped like that probably happens and and how different it is in the gay community where um you know if you're in situations where sex is you know, predominant and it's everywhere and, and there's no counseling for that and there's no support. And it just made me really think about, oh my gosh, how much does this happen? And people have to just deal with it by themselves because there's no conversation about it. Um, so that part was really heart-wrenching. And so like Teddy as a character, I don't super resonate with who he is. Um, but because of what they did with the plot line, he really made me think. And Sarah? Yeah, I like that. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, he's, he's interesting for me. Like, I feel like he's the gay boy that really wants to try to fit in, but he's so awkward and clumsy 90% of the time. And he just makes all these weird snide remarks that aren't really like, He's just, he's just really trying really hard to fit in and figure out what kind of a gay man he is. And when he's at the bars in Babylon, he's like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And, he, and really, it's just he wants to be that, but he thinks he wants to be that. He he's, has no um, sense of identity about who he is other than him being a CPA and just being the straight laced dude. And I think that's why he anchors so easily with Emmett. 
Emmett is his constant, his his grounding uh, character and his best friend in such a way where no matter what, he can always go back to Emmett and he has that that to fall back on um, and somebody to support him and push him through and, and see who he really is without having to be super vulnerable. He has, I, I see him as being, having a really difficult time being vulnerable with other people. And I think that's why he got into drugs so, so easily is that he was, he just wanted to be vulnerable. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be appreciated and, and fit in. And um, all too often, whether it be in the gay community or straight community, drugs tend to be a way to fit in. Um, yeah. Especially if you're not a specific stereotype like Brian or um, even Michael. Uh, Michael is the boy, gay boy next door, you know, and he doesn't fit that stereotype. So I think it's it the complexity of all the characters together show the different dynamics of being a gay man and what that looks like and how how they evolve in coming in the coming out process and how they become who they are as a gay man and also a human being and how they integrate in the world. And I think Ted is the one that's struggling the most with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I say he's my least favorite character. It doesn't mean I don't like him. It just means I found him to be the least interesting a lot of times. Um, but what's interesting is I think, you know, cause originally he was going to die in the episode where he overdoses and the very early on his character was going to die. So hmm. it's interesting that they kept him around. And I do think, even though I say that he's my least favorite character, the show would be missing something if he had died, if he hadn't remained on the show, they would be missing something. Um, and watching him, yes, he went through a lot, a lot through the course of the series. Um, and I do think he suffers a lot from low self-esteem, from not knowing where to fit in, from not knowing who he is. Uh, it was interesting in the episode where Emmett and Ted go as Mel and Lindsay's dates to Lindsay's we- sister's <laughs> wedding. <remember> and, <laughs> and Ted was like, all these straight women are looking at him, wanting him. And everybody's <laughs> like, you would clean up here. So it's just a very interesting moment to see, you know, because he always feels so like down, down, down at the low end of the totem pole. Um, and then also watching that scene where, you know, he lived out his greatest sexual fantasy, which was to be Brian for a night and watching <laughs> that scene and how awkward that was and how it didn't really go the way he wanted it to go. Um, but I think what's great is when you watch him with Blake, actually, I think that is next to Emmett. That's the most profound relationship in mm-hmm. his life because you see him with a guy who, you know, yeah, in the beginning, he left him for dead, basically, <laughs> on the floor, but he helped him in the end. And he also saw Ted for the beautiful person that he was inside. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the only time that Ted really saw how beautiful he was. So it was great that Ted got that. I really love that Ted was able to get it, that in the end, you know, there was Blake for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he deserved that. So it was awesome to be able to see after all that struggle, 
that he got that reward. He got his prince in the end. And um, and I think Blake was a really great character and a great guy for him. And I'm glad that he ended up with him. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into Mel and Lindsay. And we can talk about them together and then also separately, if you want to. Um, what are your thoughts on them, Danelle? Oh, goodness. Um, I just like, I love seeing that they we're such a, a great couple together, you know, and such a strong couple um, and so committed to each other, but they went through these struggles, you know, and their struggles were honest and real. Um, and I, I think that was what was interesting. And, um, you know, they were just a normal couple, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure things out. They have been together for a long time and, um, you know, seeing them uh, become parents and, and raising their children and, um, you know, their arc is really fascinating because seeing them come back together for a while, I didn't think they were going to. And that was what was interesting. I was wondering if they were going to keep them separate and just show them as co-parenting as a, you know, a, a broken up couple. And I was rooting for them to get back together um, as I watched the show. And, and I was glad that they did. But um, yeah, I always thought that they were kind of like the kind of idealized um, in some ways. Um, you know, but again, one of the things I've loved so much about the show is that they're very flawed too. The characters are not perfect in any way. Um, but that's why they're so relatable is because they are flawed and they're human and they make mistakes and they accept the, each other's mistakes as well. Um, and I think that's what um, is so great about the maturity of, of Mel and Lindsay's relationship is that they're able to look past the mistakes that they make um, and come back together. So. I, I always thought that they were kind of a, a strong couple and a kind of an example of a mature relationship, you know, um, and what it takes to make something work. So. And Joyce, your thoughts on Mel and Lindsay? That's so interesting that you say that because I feel like they are so immature. Really? <laughs> I really do. And it's not to disagree with you. It's just that um, maybe it's because I'm in a lesbian relationship and I feel like the things that they choose to do in their relationship are, are kind of selfish in a lot of times. And, and, not, and I, I get that in this world of queerest folk where everybody's sleeping with everyone, like they're... <laughs> they're the epitome of like a stable couple. Um, and so maybe my perception of what a stable couple is, is a little higher, like a little more, <laughs> you know? And so, um, so I felt I, in one way, I'm really, really grateful that the show portrays two lesbians in a relationship, really trying to make it work. And it's not like, you know, the typical joke of like, what do you bring on your second lesbian date? A suitcase and a moving van. Like they move in together really quick and then they break up really quick is the stereotype of lesbians. And I like being in a long-term lesbian relationship, it's really nice to see it portrayed that it's possible. Um, but there's so, I feel like there's so much drama with them and they're such nurturers of everyone. And so that stereotype kind of bothers me too, <laughs> which I know is appealing to people. Like everybody likes that 
theme of like everybody comes to the lesbian couple and they mother them and send them on their way and they're all better but um <laughs> you know that's one of the things that kind of irks me about this show is all the young boys talk disrespectfully to their mothers and the lesbian couple is there to nurture and fix everything. And I really think it plays into a stereotype of women can just be there when, when it's convenient um, to fix the problems. And then, you know, then you move on. And so that kind of bothered me. But I also do appreciate that, you know, at least their relationship lasted more than a week. Because <laughs> it's hard to find shows where that doesn't happen. Yeah. And Sarah. Oh, um, their relationship bugs me. <laughs> I, I, and I think it's because their their characters are portraying everybody's idea of what people think lesbians should look like or what lesbians want. And yeah, we want to have our own baby. We want to get married and have this picket fence. No, not everybody, every lesbian wants that, that straight fantasy, you know? And so I think that's, it's a discredit to a lot of the lesbian couples out there because I, I know a lot of amazing lesbian couples that are, um, Long term, they don't have the picket fence. They don't want to have kids. They're okay with where they're at. They don't need to nurture the gay boys and or anything like that. But I think it's and the sex between the women. Oh my god, it was disappointing. <laughs> We're gonna talk about the sex between the men. We need to talk about the sex between the girls. Well, yeah, yeah. It it was definitely directed by a straight man. Totally. It's like. <laughs> No, that's not one. It's not, that's not how it works. But also two, I feel like it's just, it's not genuine. It's not like, Hey, I really want to connect with you versus like, it's hypersexualizing lesbian experience to match the hypersexualized gay manics male experience. And both are true, but not true at the same time. And so I think their relationship is a misrepresentation of the lesbian community. And it, oh, and, and it, I, that may be the dynamic that they're trying to go with, of the specific way they're portraying the lesbian community versus the gay male community, where it's hypersexualized. And um, I... I feel like they were just this awkward fit with each other. Like they, they weren't honest about who they were with themselves. So that way they could show up better with each other as a part, as a partner and co-parenting and really being um, honest and genuine about what they wanted and what was important to them especially when it came to marriage, you know, and initially Mel was like, it's just a piece of paper, you know, and I, I, for me as a lesbian woman and being in a lesbian relationship, it's important to identify 
why certain things are important to you and what that means to you versus like, oh, it's just a piece of paper. No, this is a commitment to each other. And so I think there was a lot of um, conveyed miscommunication between the two of them that I think painted a, an unhealthy perspective about the lesbian community. Was it directed by a straight white or a straight person? Um, I don't know if any were directed by straight white. I, I know a lot of white gay men directed and wrote most of these. It was mainly, you yeah. know, it was a lot of <laughs> white making, gay men. I, but... I was totally making an assumption. <laughs> I'm so used to like but, no, it... films are always done by guys and like <laughs> certain films, like they usually portray what they want to see versus what is actually real and... Yeah, I would be curious if, like, the sex scenes were, um, yeah, just, like, what went into those. Yeah, I feel like I'm a Debbie Downer on this. No, 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 no. I think it's, I think that's, I think it's great that you, that you guys said that because I know one of the biggest criticisms of the show is their relationship. Yeah. Um, And the way they portray anybody else outside of gay men. And even some of the way they portray gay men, it has been criticized. Um, and the big thing I, I, I found with their relationship, and especially with Lindsay, I'm just going to single Lindsay out here because I honestly think Lindsay is bisexual. And I really kind of wish the show had developed that more and developed her more in that. That's, that's mm-hmm. my view. Cause I always thought she was madly in love with Brian. <laughs> I mean, I would watch yeah. the scenes with him yeah, and there was this deep mad love for him there that mm-hmm. went beyond friendship. And of course they sort of teetered on exploring that with um, that artist guy that she has an affair with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never really delved into it. It was like they would kind of scratch the surface with things of trying to make it a, a more complex relationship. But I don't think they knew how to handle it because they were so focused, you know, on, on everything else. It was like they were the token lesbians. They were the token lesbians in the story that they felt they had to have. Um, so I do think it's <laughs> and that is the one of the biggest criticisms of the show is how they handled that relationship. Um, and how they handled any portrayal on the show of lesbians was very, you know, and how they talked about lesbians and how they, you know, has, has always been criticized. Yeah. Uh, and other people in the LGBTQ plus community as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's a critique of a lot of shows that were around then. I know with Will and Grace, that was a big critique there as well. Um, you know, if every everyone was either gay or a lesbian there was nothing in no one else outside if they didn't portray anybody else (laughs) you know it was just that and if they did it was making fun of that you know making fun of them it was like you know and and you i did notice that when i was re-watching queer as folk this time is i noticed it even more um but yeah and and i mean like i said this is my all-time favorite show but i realize there are lots of issues with it you know um and they, they were criticized a lot by the gay community would come up to the writers a lot and say, how dare you do this to us? You're putting a very bad negative light on us. Um, so, yeah, so they, yeah. And I, and I would hear that, you know, kind of jumping ahead here to the criticisms, but um, I would, I heard that from one of my gay male friends. He said he hated the show because he hated the fact that it was so sexual and that it seemed to make them just be about sex. And he's like, you know, we don't want, the straight world to see us as just being about sex. Right. Uh, 
So, you know, I know that was a big criticism of this show. So just kind of jumping ahead there. But no, I'm glad don't I'm glad that you guys said that. I'm not like, oh, God, we don't want to hear. No, I think that's it's very, you know, it's very profound to hear that and um, and to hear it from you got from people in the community. So that's why I'm glad you guys are on here and that you guys said that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get me wrong. When I was younger and lesbian in training, <laughs> I totally wanted that fantasy of like, I'm going to get have a long-term relationship and this and this and this. And <laughs> what you see in your head and what you actually um, create for yourself is very different. And um, I think that's also one of those coming of age experiences of figuring out what kind of relationship you want and what is going to work for mm-hmm. you and not every lesbian couple wants to have kids and, and right. have with yeah. kids. but I know that was very common like I remember having packs with different friends and like if we're not married by 35 <laughs> we're gonna get married you're my gay boyfriend and like maybe we'll have a kid together like that, those types yeah. of things but yeah it's not a true representation of the community might have been at that point when the show came out. It seems pretty real. But and I think we have to too, remember the constraints of a, a television show, too. I mean, you only have one couple that's representing the lesbian community. The whole entire so, lesbian community. No it's diverse. Yeah. Right? Just like you guys pointed out, it's so diverse. I mean, there's so many different types of people in the, in the gay community, in the queer community. You, you can't portray them all in a TV show. Uh, so, yeah, I think Mel and Lynn's are only one tiny little aspect, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Well, let's get into the other relationships, both romantic and platonic. Um, and I'm going to start with just, we're just going to focus on Brian here, and then we'll get into um, Michael and then Ted and Emmett, Michael and Ben and then Ted and Emmett. Um, so let's get into, I have said before in our shipping episode that my all-time favorite c- couple is uh, Brian and Justin. I also think they are a very <laughs> problematic couple uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but let's let's get into Brian and Justin. What are your thoughts on Brian and Justin, Danelle? You know, I had never seen a couple portrayed like that before. <laughs> um, when I first saw um, that show. <laughs> Never really I was young right when the show came out so I'd never seen a couple that was so like an open relationship right where it's just you can be with whoever you want to be with and they kind of still come back to each other at the end of the night or whatever um and that was fascinating to me how the relationship began with Justin kind of just basically attaching himself and not letting go from the very first night following him to the hospital and you know um, never letting go, I think was really fascinating to me, but there's also an interesting agreement that takes place between them. I mean, I think they have this understanding. I think on some level, Justin knows that Brian loves him, right. Without saying it. And I think that's what keeps him staying there for so long. Um, when he kind of tolerates Brian's childishness, you know, his Peter Pan syndrome, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess is the best way I could say it. Um, but as they, you know, I think um, as they, as time kind of wears on and, and I think they both kind of get tired of that, especially Justin. And I think that's what leads him to seek that relationship um, with the musician. Um, and 
you know, kind of, this is what he thought he wanted. And it kind of reminds me of that Elton John song, um, I Want Love. I don't know why it, it came to mind, but like he wanted that perfect romantic love. So he leaves Brian for this like romanticized version of the classical musician who's going to bring in the flowers and candy and the fan, you know, cheese and wine. And, um, and it's not the fantasy that he wanted in the end, you know, it wasn't who he wanted. Um, he's ready for the rougher stuff, you know, and I think that's why he was willing to go back to Brian flaws and all, um, because he knew that at the end of the day, that's who was really there for him. That's who was taking care of him. That's who loved him. Um, and uh, that's why I think I, I, their relationship is so universal for so many people. Like when you said it's your favorite, um, you know, uh, it's one of mine too. I think it's just beautiful. I mean, it kills me that scene in the prom after the prom scene or after the bashing and he comes home from the hospital and nobody knows that he's been hanging out at the hospital. And Michael ends up confronting him about not going to see Justin because he has no idea. And he has that scarf on under his shirt. Oh, you know, that just, yeah, that, that killed me. That was pretty intense. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely an interesting relationship there. And I think, um, I think it was a way for the gay community to say our relationships are real, our relationships are valid. You know, um, I know at that time, so many people would say, well, um, and I think it's even mentioned in the show, well, our, I think Lindsay's mother says it, well, that's not a real marriage, honey, right? When her sister's getting married, and Lindsay points out that her and Mel have been together for how many years at that point? And her mother's like, oh, it's not real. And it's like, wait a minute, you know? Um, so I think the intensity of the relationship is a, a way to show, yes, this is real. It's not just sex. It's not just, you know, a, a one night thing. It's, this is a committed, loving relationship and it's valid and it's real. Joyce, your thoughts on Brian and Justin? I, yeah, I ship them. They're so <laughs> Um, I just like, I like how their relationship begins. I like how earnest Justin is and um, how he charms Brian when no one else is able to, um, even if that's just by, you know, wearing him down, <laughs> he does it. And I, I don't know, I like their chemistry and I like how um, Brian gives him the space to be who he is and is unapologetic about what the expectations for their relationship are. And even sometimes to his own detriment or Justin's like, it's hard for them to navigate that, but it's less hard than being dishonest. And that you see that when, when Brian tries to have the, have a relationship that isn't necessarily as honest. Um, so I just really respect that honesty in, and the way he lets him be free. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, if he tried to do anything else, it would be, it wouldn't work, I don't think. So, yeah. yeah. And then Sarah disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. She had 
had to go feed the animals. Oh no, that's okay. I'll just I'll jump in then, and we'll go back to her. Okay. Um, so, like I said, it's my absolute favorite all-time couple. Um, I think their chemistry, Randy and Gail's chemistry, is off the charts. It's really incredible. And what's amazing is I was just watching an interview with Gail Harold, um, and he was talking about the very first scene he shot was their sec their first encounter when he brings Justin back to his apartment and he, you know he strips down he pours the water on himself and he's just this, it's the seduction scene um you know and it's very inter- it, and he said it was just kind of like you just had to just jump in there it was just like all of a sudden i had to just be this sex object just be completely out there and doing something that i've never done uh but but i just think their their chemistry is great i love that Justin makes Brian more vulnerable. He brings out this vulnerability with him. Uh, you see it in like there in the scene in season three um, after Justin and Ethan break up and he wants to get Brian back and he's at his um, advertising firm and they have that scene in his office where they're not exactly they're you know talking around they're using other words and he's and Brian says to him and you're never to play violin music in my presence again and the way he does it and that look in his eyes where he, and his voice breaks just a tad there's so much vulnerability there where he's just saying you know you're never to don't hurt me again don't do this to me again and Justin's response of I promise you know it's just and it's just so beautiful it was the closest to saying I love you and I love you too and I promise I'm not going to hurt you in in Brian's own way in their own way um and that's what I love about their relationship is that they bring out different sides of each other. I think Brian makes Justin a stronger person in a lot of ways, even though Brian was a total ass to him in the beginning. He was a total, complete dick to him. Um, but he also pushes him in good ways. You know, he he pushes him to to stick with his art. He pushes him you know, to, to be the best, as he says, the best homosexual he possibly can be. Um, and that's, and that's what I think is, is great about their relationship. And I will say on a shallow end, I think they are incredibly hot together. (laughs) (laughs) They're very sexy. Chemistry is off the charts. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's incredible. Some of their, (laughs) their scenes together are just, oh, just so great. Um, you know, but, but, but there is the issue, and I'm going to bring this up, and then I'll uh, throw it back to Sarah to get her thoughts on their relationship. But there is the issue, and this is why I think of it as problematic, is there is the age difference thing. I mean, he's 17 when they meet, <laughs> and Brian is almost 30, and, you know, that does bother a lot of people, um, which I can totally see, because when I was 17, I can't imagine you know i mean when i was 17 it would have been cool at 20 to date a 29 year old i think in your mind but when you're 29 i can't imagine wanting to date a 17 year old <laughs> I, I i mean i don't know if that's just me and maybe it's i don't know so i i so that's kind of the problematic issue that i'm gonna throw out there and we'll, we'll get into that but i want to throw it back to sarah and get sort of your thoughts on brian and justin together um i've I find them endearing at times, but then I also find them very, um, very complicated because they get very flippant towards each other and then just catty at times. Um, 
But I do like how Brian pushes Justin to be the best person he possibly can, like you said earlier, best homosexual possible. And I think that's what he really strives for in himself. And I, I feel like he took Justin on as a little pet project. Mm -hmm. a little, little pet project to see what he could do to make him the best gay boy possible, possible another version of him in some capacity. And in some ways he was very successful, but then I also felt like he, Brian took that to a whole new level where he gave up his own happiness just to make sure that he was happy, which shows Brian's depth of character of how he would, he would take anything on to make sure that somebody else could succeed. And he shows up for Justin in that way. And, um, and that was the episode where I was like, please just tell him I love you. And you know who Brian loves. It, it, it's a, it goes back and forth between uh, Brian and uh, Justin and Michael. But I, lo I, I like their uh, playfulness, their cattiness, but also their permission they give each other to be their genuine selves in a way where they can, like, yes, I know you're going to go sleep with whoever you want in the back room, but you go home with me in, in, that, in that way. And I like how they honor each other in that space. And... Um, they're they're kind of kind of kind of awkward, but I I do like them together when they're actually not too far into their own shit. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and even though it was brought on by a catastrophe by the by the bombing, it was so interesting to watch Brian actually say "I love you," and then all of a sudden it was like he said "I love you," and it's like. Boom, now I can give him what I want to do, what, what he always wanted. I can give him that white picket fence. I can give him that country manor. I can be that prince, and he can be my prince, and we can get married. And I will, you know, like you said, Sarah, he's going to give up, you know, everything that he sort of mm -hmm. was. And I, and I don't know if that was the exact scene you were talking about, but he does that a lot with Justin, mm -hmm. um, which is very weird for him because you don't see him do that a lot. I think Michael's the only other one that he would kind of do that for. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting watching him all of a sudden. It's like, boom, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this because I love him so much. And in order to keep him, I've got to change who I am. And then I love that Justin doesn't let him get away with that. <laughs> it's right. like, no, no, you, <laughs> you're going to go sleep with some guy at your, bachelor party you know you're not gonna not do that because you think that's what I want because I know who you are you know he's right. always known. yeah I, they they really encourage each other to honor where their the other person is mm -hmm. and, and that goes back to Brian's uh dynamic of being unapologetic for who he is and I love that he's basically taught the next generation behind him how to do that and that's very empowering um, but I, it, it does come with a price and it came down to Brian's happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, you know, it's interesting with this kind of jumping ahead here, but I don't know if we'll even get it, 
chance to get to it. But with the series finale, with the last thing you see is Brian, you know, alone, dancing alone. And kind of back to who he was in the beginning. Not who he was in the beginning, but back to sort of where he was in the beginning as far as being alone and being Mm -hmm. by himself. And I just thought that was a very interesting image. Um, You know, uh, Randy, who plays Justin, he has said that he really hopes they never get back together again. Um, he thinks it would be awful for them to be together at the end. Yeah. Yeah, Cause he says a lot of that is because he said, you know, Justin was so young and he had this older man with him. And when they'd get older, they could never sustain that relationship. He said it just wouldn't work um, because of that age difference there. And because so much was shaped so early on when Justin was so young with this older man. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting because I know a lot of people were really upset at the, that they didn't end up together. Um, but I think it makes total sense that they didn't, even though I loved them together, it makes sense that they didn't end up together. Um, but does anybody have any other thoughts on the age difference? Since I know that was a big issue and very controversial with the two of them. <laughs> I, my only comment about it is that, um, when you get back into old Greek um, warrior dynamics, they most male warriors had young men as sex partners, and that was to instill the virility of a warrior and 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 whatnot. So I think it comes down to cultural dynamics, and I think we get stuck on the whole stigma of oh they're underage, whatever. I. I dated a 34-year-old when I was 17. I dated a 24-year-old, or, yeah, 24-year-old when I was 16. So I've had my fair share of age dynamics. And I think, I don't think it's really an age issue. I think it's a maturity issue where you're connecting with where, where the other person is at. Um, and so I, I don't think there's anything truly wrong with it. Um, I feel like they were both aware and consenting. Mm-hmm. It may be uncomfortable for other people, but, you know, everybody dates who they want and things can be, I think there, there's a certain age where it can be really controversial, of course, but 17, 18, that's, that's where you're, when you're in the sexploration stage of things. <laughs> I think it's interesting that, um, it was just kind of matter of fact in this show. And yeah. like, had it been like a straight couple, like an older man and a younger woman, it would have been so controversial. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's true and I don't know how controversial it was for the show. Um, like what other people thought, but I just think it was interesting how it was just kind of matter of fact. Like they, talked about it a little bit but it was like oh you're turning 18 soon so yeah mm-hmm. yeah well I know I, when I this was a few years ago and I was re-watching this show with someone um and she said you know I really like this show but I have a very hard time watching this relationship because it makes me very uncomfortable their age difference makes me very uncomfortable because yeah. she said I feel like there it's this older man that's taking advantage of this younger kid who's still kind of a kid um 
And so that was that was interesting because I, you know, like I said, they're my favorite all time favorite couple. But I acknowledge that I can see that. But but to me, they're almost even though Brian is older than him, they're like on the same level in a lot of respects. <laughs> so it's like they complement each other so well, um, even though I do agree that. I don't think they should be together. I, th- I think it's, I think they kind of just learned from each other and grew. Um, and I think especially for Justin, I don't think he would have been happy ultimately in that relationship. And I think Brian would have had to sacrifice too much of himself, even though they both loved and respected each other. I just don't think it would have worked out in the end with what they both wanted in life. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just wanted to get, do you have any thoughts on it, Danelle, the age difference? Yeah. It- I have to admit, when I first watched the show, it was a little bothersome at first because it is such a large difference. But I think the way that the show goes about it and the way Justin is so assertive in his, like, pursuit of Brian, I think it kind of relieved some of that for me. Because in reality, Brian was kind of like, you know no kid you know at first and then he's like okay if this is what you want (laughs) you know he's not going to turn it down either um because you know brian doesn't turn down a hot night right we all know this um (laughs) you know that's just who the character is but i think his pursuit um justin's pursuit of brian i think he's my mind a little bit about the the age difference i mean he it was it was 90 percent justin in the beginning i mean he was all over brian um and I think that his maturity, you know, his level of maturity, I think, too, even though he is so young and he's a kid, he has a certain emotional maturity, like you said, is that is well matched to Brian, even though Brian's so much older. So. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think if Brian was truly a predator, I think Brian would have gone after Hunter when Hunter was making all those moves on Brian and Brian would have been like, okay, yeah, I will. And that would have been, it's interesting because I don't know how old Hunter was when he first came along. I can't remember, but it's interesting watching that where that would have been so wrong and just uh, like, just icky. And it's, and I know Hunter was just like a couple years younger, I think, than Justin was when Justin was first on. But I'm not positive on that. But it's just interesting, that dynamic. And I think it's because they're such different characters. And I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying there. But <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, that would have been interesting. Okay. Well, um, let's get into Michael and Brian and then Michael and Ben. So let's first start with Michael and Brian. Um, what are your thoughts on their friendship and their relationship overall, Danelle? Well, I love their friendship. I mean, obviously, they're they're best friends. They're they're close. Um, they know each other's secrets. They know everything they can about each other. But there's also there's also it's codependent in a lot of ways too, um, you know. And I I think there's a lot of dynamic there with Michael being in love with Brian the way he is for so long. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things, struggles there that they have to overcome um, in their relationship. And I think you finally see that towards the end when there's that, when they have that break for a while, you know, um, and it, that's one of the points where I think Michael just can be so, um, as much as I love Michael, he can be very self-righteous. And I think 
you know, um, <laughs> so um, I'm struggling to remember the exact uh, words that he used, but when they had their falling out, um, I think to, at the, in the, I think it was the last season, right? When they truly had that falling out, if I remember right. Um, they, that when they finally come back together, I think they reach a new maturity in their relationship. I think they're able to see each other more as equals rather than Michael kind of following on Brian's heels and kind of relying on Brian to lead the way, if you will. I mean, I always kind of see it a little bit as Michael just kind of following Brian around a little bit. And I think when he gets into his relationship with Ben, that's a step, right? Of that kind of maturity, him growing up. But then there's that when they finally have their falling out and he's on his own with Ben and raising his daughter and raising Hunter, I think he comes to a new maturity and is able to finally, they're able to come together as equals in their friendship. And I think that's what's truly beautiful um, in the very last episode. You know, you kind of see them, okay, they're they're together, they're friends, and they're always going to be friends. Um, and the genuine love between them is, is a beautiful thing. I mean, we always need friends that are like that in our lives that are there for us at all times. And um, yeah, I, I've always loved that part of their relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. And Michael and Ben are a great relationship. His first boyfriend, um, the uh, doctor, what was his name? Um, oh, God, I hated him. <laughs> he was oh, I did not realize like, how abusive that relationship was until I rewatched the show. And I was like, that is just like classic, like abuse almost, like control. And yeah, the chiropractor had to go, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, but I love Ben. I think, um, but then again, I love nerdy professors. So I'm, I'm, I would, I, that, that, that was like a dream yeah, right there. Um, yeah. So those two are adorable together. I think they complement each other well. And I think, they go through some ups and downs, but I mean, again, they're a little bit idealized and I, I know that, um, you know, but at the same time, I think they're also, I think at that point in time, going back to the show being almost 20 years old now, um, I think the gay community was still struggling to say, hey, our relationships are here. We're valid. They're, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's part of why the show hit that so hard with Melanie and Lindsay and with Brian and uh, I mean, not Brian, um, Ben and, and Michael, and also with their friends, right? The ultra um, great, perfect couple of their neighbors. I'm trying to remember um, the, their names, Ben and, and Michael's neighbors that pop in from time to time. <laughs> they were trying oh, to sell them a house. Like the Stepford neighbors. I mean, gay boys are having babies. And yes. I, I, their neighbors are so adorable, but they made me laugh because they're just like, and again, I think that's a little tongue in cheek, right? The show is very tongue in cheek sometimes. And I think that's why sex is so gratuitous and, you know, some of the relationships are the way they are. So I think they're also poking a little fun at that stereotype too of the Stepford couple, right? The perfect couple. And I think that little, the little neighbor couple who, you know, our children are going to this school, you know, like they come in and have some cheese and the perfect cheese plate. and <laughs> It made me laugh, but I think that's the show's way of kind of having a little fun with that too. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, Joyce, on both of those Michael relationships? Um, 
Well, I love um, Michael and Ben's relationship. I think, is that who I'm supposed to be talking about? Michael and Ben and Michael and Justin, right? No, Michael and Ben and Michael and Brian. Brian. Yeah. (laughs) So many names. Um, Yeah. So I, I like Michael and Ben. I think Ben is great. I actually, it's so interesting watching this now um, versus the first time I watched it because exactly of what Danelle was just saying, how like the first time I watched it, it was like revolutionary. Like I had never seen a show like this before and it was really groundbreaking. And, um, and so now looking at it from a different context, it's really interesting to see how like these people are all growing up in this community and when I look at it through that context like I'm okay with like Michael and Brian's relationship I'm like yeah everybody goes through growing pains a lot of people have codependent relationships as they're trying to figure out who they are and how they relate to other people and like it makes sense how they did that story but like as a as a healthy somewhat healthy adult (laughs) I'm like gosh it's so like dysfunctional and codependent and um but you know that's how you learn what healthy is sometimes is by having relationships that aren't necessarily healthy and navigating through those and figuring that out so I like the um what's the word not the sentiment or the like how sweet they are together. They're really sweet and they have so many good memories. And I really like that about Michael and Brian. Um, And I like how they kind of figure out who they are apart from each other. Good. And I like Ben way more than I like Michael. (laughs) Ben is so great. And I'm like, why are you with Michael? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sarah, what are your thoughts on those two relationships? Um, Michael and Brian, like, yeah, there's a lot of codependency going on, but I also understand and can appreciate, like, um, how they kind of keep each other on this pedestal in some way where there's, like, this sacredness to their relationship that nobody else can have access to and only they understand and um how they um just they they understand and love each other in their own ways um but but also allow the other person to be who they are no matter how shitty they are to 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 each other sometimes like it was very surprising it was very surprising when um Brian punched Michael at the party. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, that's to me, that seems so out of character. And I think that was an indication of how far somebody that you love and trust so much can push you to the edge. And that Michael pushed him to the edge and it was not okay. And then of course, Brian gets blamed for it, which I, I didn't agree with, but, um, but I think everybody was so used to blaming Brian for everything all the time instead of really understanding the context of like, no, that was 
Michael's being an asshole, you know? <laughs> um, but they have these intense moments, but they also come back like nothing happened. Um, and so I can appreciate that part. Uh, and I'm with Joyce on the whole um, Ben and Michael thing. Like, how how did you score him? You know, you're with a college professor. <laughs> and he's a 12-year-old boy. And, like... <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I think I, that's probably just one of the ways they wanted to portray the different dynamics of having, being a gay man in a relationship and, and validating their experience as a couple and that they are a couple, which, you know, um, I, uh, but I also think that um, it's very easy to see the face of a relationship and make assumptions about what it is versus what it really is to the couple themselves and how they show up for each other and how they are engaging and supportive. And, and we, we don't know what happens behind closed doors and whatever works, works. And um, I, I, I like that they, they do create a balance for each other. Like there's a little bit of playfulness on, and, and boyishness on Michael's side, but there's also the um, adult, um, serious, intellectual dynamic of Ben that they kind of balance each other out. Yeah, I, uh, Michael and Brian is an interesting relationship because I think it can be very annoying to watch at times <laughs> um, because you know, there's so much desperation from Michael's side of that relationship. Yes. And you just, it just drives you nuts. Like, I'm like, God, it must be so hard to be in a relationship with Michael because you're competing with Brian. Yeah. You're competing with Brian really. Um, And I think Ben is the only one that could really kind of break through that Mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. Um, But yeah, Michael and Brian, I, there was always, when this show was first on, there were a lot of people that wanted Michael and Brian to end up together and you know it was like either people wanted brian with justin or brian with michael and there were a lot of people that wanted that and i guess in the uk version and i'm sorry if i'm incorrect on this but i think in the uk version they actually do end up together um and i just i think that would have been so wrong on so many levels and yes i think that's michael's ultimate (laughs) is to be with brian but i think eventually he lets that go when he finds ben but I think it takes some time. I think when he's first with Ben, he hasn't completely let that go. I mean, you know, it takes some time for him to actually let that go, especially when he finds out that Ben and Brian had sex. I mean, I think that was really, really hard for Michael. Um, but Michael and Ben, like I said, are my second favorite couple. Um, and I just think, I think Ben is such such a unique character and was such a great addition to the show. And I, I just loved him. He was just, he was so, um, he struggled so much, you know, of course, with his, with his illness, but he struggled, um, I think, to, as an artist and as a writer, and he even struggled with his own insecurities. You saw that with his writing when he wrote his second book. Um, and he was just, he was such a great dad to Hunter, and watching that relationship was so awesome, and the way he, he wanted to save Hunter. He was the first one, you know, out of the two of them that really wanted to take Hunter on. Michael didn't really want to at first, but Ben was just like, yeah, we got to save this kid. 
and he was just he was just so great i loved the actor um i thought their chemistry was really good it was a really healthy relationship i thought um they struggled they had ups and downs they had things that didn't always go right but i thought it was a healthy relationship i didn't necessarily think ben could do better i i mean i thought they were really good together um and i think at times ben was always not that great to michael there were a couple occasions when he when he wasn't you know um but they just, they just, they were a real healthy relationship. I think they were probably, honestly, the healthiest relationship on the show. That's the way I viewed it. Um, yeah. And I, I just thought they were really great and wonderful together. Let's skip over Ted and Emmett a little bit since we kind of touched on them when we talked about them individually. So we kind of talked about their relationship, unless anybody's dying to talk about when they were briefly a couple, which I thought yeah. was... Okay. No. Okay. So let's skip into Deb because we have to talk about Deb. Danelle, what are your thoughts on Deb? Oh, I love Deb. Um, she is like the epitome of the P flag mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like the, the poster child. Um, and I love that about her. Um, I think her enthusiasm, her support and love, you know, just unconditional love of all of the, the young people in her life, you know, like she's the mom to everyone and um, she gives so much and she doesn't know when to stop. Um, and I always think that's really interesting. And I was so happy that she kind of gets her own life, you know, <laughs> towards the end, um, you know, and, and her relationship with Horvath. Um, but I think she's just, she was, I think she's a kind of an icon for a lot of young gay kids that I knew who were coming out at the time um, you know, that didn't have the parents that were supportive, you know, they, they looked to somebody like that and, and were so grateful that there was a, a character that they could look up to and say, Hey, look at this mom. Um, she, she loves unconditionally and wholeheartedly and is loud and proud about it. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of reminds me of my best friend's mom. You know, I remember in our first, uh, the first part parade, I mar marched with him to support him. His mom had a sign that said, I love my gay son. You know, and um, just marching with them was a lot of fun. And um, just seeing her un undying support for her son um, was always a, a an inspiration. And I think Debbie's a big inspiration. She's so much fun. I mean, what a great actress, too. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love Deb. She's a little over the top sometimes, but I think that's <laughs> so fun about her, you know? Yeah. So her and Emmett's relationship is always fun and her and Vic, you know, her relationship with her brother. And I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit too. And um, her support for Vic and how she was there for him through everything. She was a little harsh on him, but, you know, um, at some points, but just that was really um, an, an intense part of the series for me was, was uh, Vic's passing and, and how Deb took that. And, um, you know, their the how sad it was um when they were fighting you know and they're both so stubborn <laughs> so um and of course her relationship with michael her always smacking him upside the head is always <laughs> and i love how sparks talking about it when you and i yeah actually, uh talked about that when we watched that and how sparks said his head still hurts you know like <laughs> And how he had to talk her into doing it at first. Yes. She was so like, no, I'm not going to hit you. And he's like, no, just do it. Go do it. Then I'll really feel like you're my mom. Do it. Do it. Do it. Really. <laughs> and then he's like, and then once she did it, it was like all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she was great. She was absolutely a great character. I always loved him. 
And Joyce, what are your thoughts on Deb? I just love how passionate she is and how she sees where everyone is at and, and connects <laughs> with them. Like um, when Michael tells Justin that he should just get out of everyone's life and, and she says to him, like, he didn't speak for the rest of us and we want you here. Um, I just thought that was really cool that she did that. And I, I like how she like tries to get everybody to vote and she won't feed them until they go vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like she, she's supporting her son, but really I think the foundation of it is she supports everybody and she supports the cause and she supports everyone being happy and healthy and um, she does it with charm and wit and a little bit of feistiness and she's great. Yeah. And Sarah? I, I love Deb. She is one of my favorite characters. She is so colorful and vibrant and like if there is anybody that shows up consistently it's her and I love her t-shirts that she wears. <laughs> yep. My favorite one is I love my penis. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just, <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She is unapologetic about who she is and unapologetic about anybody she loves. And she's so present and so passionate and I think one of the things that I I was really like you're the best person in the world ever was when they were coming back from Canada and she was like they can't get married I'm not gonna get married and you should just just if it's good good enough for this person it's good enough for you and she was she doesn't take any shit she doesn't put up with shit and she will fight she she's a fighter and she does everything fiercely and i i just i love her character so much and i want to go there and i want to go like order food and i want i cannot tell you how many times i wanted a lemon bar <laughs> yes i know i know. you can't have a lemon bar until you vote you can't have Where's our diner? Where's our Liberty Diner, right? You know, well, when I was growing up in Utah, it was it was the Gay Denny's in Salt Lake City, so kind of kind of the same environment, but we didn't have a dad. So, <laughs> but yeah, I I I love her character. She she really is the mom of the whole community, and I love that she sees everybody for who they are and where they're at. And she even loves Brian, even though he's being an asshole at times. She knows that he needs that hard mothering and nurturing that she gives him. But she sees them for who they are. And she accepts them no matter what. And that is what a true mom is. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. And Sharon Gless is a goddess. She's so great. She's so wonderful in that role. And you can tell that must have been a lot of fun to play, Deb, uh, and to be so free. Um, and I loved that, like you said, Danelle, that she sort of gets her own life in the end and she finds love because I think so much of her life was devoted to 
not just Michael, but to all these people. And she was mm-hmm. like a surrogate mother to so many people. And so it was nice to see her get her own life and have her own love story it was really awesome to see and watch. Um, I'd watch her struggle with that, with struggle with allowing herself that happiness and allowing herself to have that relationship. Uh, was very interesting. And um, yeah, she's so funny. She's so witty. She's so quick with the words. And I love her use of language and I love her shirts and her pens and everything <laughs> like that. And she's, she's just so awesome. She's so amazing. And I, my favorite scenes with her are actually with Brian because I love their dynamic and she calls mm-hmm. him on things in ways that other people don't. And some of my favorite scenes with them is, is one of them where, um, you know, she says, you know, you love Justin. She's basically telling him you love Justin. Somehow this guy just wormed his way in and just you love him. Um, and that's what's going on here. And that's why you're pushing him away. And that's why you're being a jerk. And that's why all this stuff. And so she calls him on that. And my other favorite scene is when they get stoned together after Brian gets fired. I think that scene is so great because I, I don't know. They just played so well together. I think maybe it was the actors together or something, but they just, their scenes were just so interesting to watch. Um, and just watching her just reminiscing about, you know, when she loved Jefferson Airplane and all this stuff. And, you know, it was just, it was, I, I loved that. It was so great. And I think Brian uh, could be a little bit different with Deb than he could with other people. I think Deb was like his mom and he never had a mom. And really, I mean, his mom was a total bitch. So it was great that he got to have that with Deb. And she just, in general, was just an amazing, amazing woman who everybody wants as their mom, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, I think she's just, she's so great. She's so great to watch. So, yeah. Um, Well, I know that soon Danelle has to go. So before we close out, I really wanted to, I mean, we got a little bit into the criticism. um, So I'm glad we got a little bit into that. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about why it's so popular among women. Um, there's so much more we could cover with this show. We're going to have to do a second episode on it because there's so much that we didn't really touch on, but I wanted to close out with just being able to talk about sort of the, the lasting impact, um, of the show and how maybe it changed the landscape, um, of entertainment or did it change it? Um, what is, ever, what are everybody's thoughts on that? Um, Danelle, do you have any thoughts on that of the lasting impact of the show? Sure. Um, well, I mean, the show is definitely groundbreaking. Um, it absolutely shattered um, a lot of misconceptions, I think, that were out there. And it was um, absolutely groundbreaking television. Um, and I think it was shocking for a lot of people. Um, they'd never seen anything like it. Um, you know, and, and also the criticisms that we were talking about. I mean, the lack of representation of people of color, um, the and you you touched on it, the the lack of diversity within the um, community itself, you know, um, is disappointing. But again, we have to look at the context of the time too, right? Um, and I think things have changed. If the show would be done now, I think we would see a lot better, wider representation of the community, um, which is definitely important. But to me, the, the show is always going to be groundbreaking. Um, it's still shocking. It's still fun to watch. It's still... Um, you know, eye-opening, educational in a lot of ways, um, and also just good entertainment. I mean, 
you know, we have to take it at that value too. It is just television. Um, but at the same time, those things are important too, especially when you're talking about um, representation of communities that are oppressed and, and don't have the voice that they should. So I'm just excited that um, I got to be a part of it and you guys, uh, you know, had me on and, and to talk about it as, um, you know, an ally to the community. And um, I just fell in love with the show and the characters. And like I said, I'd hang out with any of them, <laughs> you know, um, I want to go dance in a Babylon and, and hang out at the diner with them all and go have a drink at Woody's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the show and I think it's going to, it has aged well, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously we talked about the criticisms, but for the most part, I think it's rare for a show that's almost 20 years old that you can go back and watch it and still see it fresh. And I, and it feels fresh. I mean, it still is nostalgic in some ways, but it still feels fresh in some ways. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and you know, the, as far as the appeal to women, I mean, the guys were beautiful. I mean, for me, like that's why I started watching the show. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, and uh, the actors were amazing and it was well written and well done and and a lot of fun and you know um gail harold was just gorgeous to watch so, yeah, like i said sex on legs <laughs> I mean, uh, my friends used to make fun of me because we'd get together and watch it and they would just laugh at me because i would just be drooling the whole time like oh my god man is so beautiful I mean, I was just saying my best friend, I texted him when I started rewatching it. I'm like, I forgot how beautiful he is. <laughs> He's like, oh, honey, I know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, Joyce, what are your thoughts on the lasting impact and, and anything else you want to add about, about the show? Um, yeah, I definitely agree. It's, you can watch it now and it still feels new and fun and interesting and the characters are still interesting and you can get invested in what's going to happen to them and who they are. And, um, it's really been cool to watch it again, um, because it's so different seeing it now in the context of today where so much of the dialogue has changed so much I mean it's interesting because like our 12 year old daughter when she started school at the beginning of the year one of her friends asked her how do you identify and she was like well I identify as a cat <laughs> that was her answer <laughs> um, but it was just amazing to me that she was having those conversations which never would have happened when I was in sixth grade you know and so it just was an example to me of how much the dialogue has changed, how much people are aware. Um, and it's because of shows like this. I totally believe it's because of shows like this. And it still feels fun and like liberating to watch it. And I definitely had the experience of growing up in the gay community, not identified in any particular way, but probably more as straight. And I, it was just normal to me. Like I kind of had the opposite experience of, as Sarah had, where it was like, I mean, thankfully, I feel very, very grateful that like my friends were very open and accepting. My family was very open and accepting. And it was almost a non-issue. And so like when I came out in quotes to my family and friends, like it was 
it was no thing at all. Like it didn't even, I didn't even understand the significance of that and the importance of that and how much people struggle with it. Um, really until I started talking to other people that had such a difficult time with their friends and family with it. Um, and so this show just makes me feel at home in a way because I grew up in gay clubs and we went out dancing and it feels like community and it feels like heart and like going to pride is something that we always did. And it's like, it's just such a wonderful feeling to watch this show and remember all of those things. Um, so I'm just really grateful for it. And even though there is a lot of criticisms, um, really for what it was and what it still is, I, I just love it. I think it's wonderful. And Sarah? I really like how this this whole entire series, and that can parallel this series with the L word, and I know we're going to talk about that another time, but both of them have really conveyed the importance of having a community and being okay with who you are. And I think this, this series is definitely going to be one of those series where you'll always look at it and see the evolution of the gay community and how it has changed and evolved. And we have so much history. And like I said earlier in the podcast, how we, like Justin doesn't understand how we stand on the shoulders of giants. This is one of those pivotal series that I think is one of those giants that we will stand on and be like, Oh my God, I have no idea. I had no idea that it used to be like this. And now it's becoming, I don't want to say normalized, but more accepted as a non-issue when it comes to being gay or lesbian and, I'm excited that this had this was so um, exuberant and so dynamic that it portrayed a picture of the complexity of being a gay man. And I think it's interesting. I want to I want to touch on how it was in in Philadelphia. Um, forget the movie with Tom Hanks where the AIDS epidemic when he was experiencing that movie. Philadelphia. It was yeah, it was Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little tired. But yeah, in the movie Philadelphia, it, 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 it's that's also one of those pivotal movies that that conveyed the growth and dynamics of being a gay man and what that looked like. So there you have shoulder upon shoulder upon shoulder, and so I think it's. It's really cool seeing the history of the gay community and how it's evolved and how impactful this series probably has been on so many uh, people in the gay community or queer community to help them become who the person they want to be. And I mean, I remember watching the puppy episode of the Ellen show and long, long time ago in the early nineties. And it was, iconic and pivotal for me just knowing that there was people out there that identified the same way it gave me permission to be who I was and to honor the path that I wanted to take no matter what world or environment I was in and that's what I yeah that's what I love about these shows that 
are groundbreaking and create access to something new and exciting for people. Yeah. Yeah. And before I get into my final thoughts, Danelle, do you have to go? Do you want to say your goodbyes before I get into my final thoughts? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, if you want, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? If you want to be found, you don't have to, but. Um, yeah. So you can find me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so you can find me under my name, uh, Draven Pearl on Twitter and in Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danelle. All right. Much love, everybody. Much love. After this, we should all go to tracks and eat lemon bars. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again, Danelle. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. And I'll just talk about just, um, you know, like I've said, this is my all-time favorite show. Um, I like you, Joyce, you, we and I, we grew up like the same way. So it was, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I grew up, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And I think it's because of the mothers we had. Um, yeah. and I know my mom served as a surrogate mom <laughs> to a lot of our friends when we were growing up, a lot of our friends in high school. Um, cause my mom never judged anyone ever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so she took in all these people that were judged because they were goth, they were goth or anything like that, or they, they were gay <laughs> or anything. She, she was just like, whatever. I'm going to, I mean, I remember so many times we'd have guys over staying over and we'd wake up and they'd be in the kitchen with my mom chatting. So it was like, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the way we grew up. So, and I'm, and I think we're very lucky for that. And I feel very blessed for having that, especially because my mom didn't really come from a family that was like that. Yeah. So I think that's a blessing. I think she took a lot of that 60s stuff and, and, and you know, brought it into her relationship. With it. Yeah. So I think that that was a blessing. Um, I think I just want to read really quickly this quote from Gail Harold that just kind of talks about. I think part of the reason that maybe women liked the show, um, part of the things that I, one of the things that I think the show did that was so great and groundbreaking. Um, and he said, I think it's good that men are being objectified because since forever women have been objectified, we're flipping the coin yeah. because things have been lopsided on TV and film for so long. Another good point to the show is that it portrays men's sensuality. They're not just all about sex and only sex. So I just wanted to make sure to get that quote in there because I think that quote is very good. I think that that was the thing is you didn't see, yeah, you didn't see a camera angle that was like on a man that way before. You always saw it with a woman, but you never saw the camera going slowly panning up a man's body like that. I mean, it's just, it was, that was revolutionary too. Um, Yeah. Yes. I I agree. You, you see nearly naked women all the time on TV, Mm -hmm. but God forbid men show their butt. Right. Yeah. Shirt, their shirt off. Oh, I'm so modest. No. Yeah. We spend so much time objectifying women for sure. And if we're going to, we're going to have cheerleaders for sports teams, we might as well have men on the cheerleading teams too, because I'm sure girls want to see the boys too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's one thing that I thought was so great about it. And that's why as a woman, I, I loved watching it and, it was, and it was a bonding experience. I, I loved watching it with you, Joyce. It was, yes. it, it holds so many great memories of having yeah. those queer as folk nights. <laughs> and then when you and I were roommates during the fourth season and, <laughs> or, or third, it was either the third or fourth. I think it was the fourth season. No, it was third. It was third. I think it was third. And it, so that was just so great too. It was just, it just holds so many wonderful memories. And yes, there's a, there's a lot you can critique about it. Um, but I think 
like they said on the on the live stream that I watched a few weeks ago, they said, you know, yes, if we were around today, I would hope we would be more diverse and we'd have more people of color and we'd have more people in the community. But they said, you have no idea what a struggle it was to get this show on. People did not want this show. I mean, actors were told, actors were told, do not, don't you dare audition for this show. I know Hal Sparks said, you know, he fired his agent because his agent said, you are, you can't do this show. It's going to ruin your career. You cannot go in. He's, He's like, here's this script, but I don't want you to audition for this. And so he later ended up firing his agent because he wanted to audition for it and he got the part. But it was, you know, it's, it's nobody wanted their, well, nobody would let their clients go out for this, you know. And That's crazy. Yeah. And some of the actors on there, you know, like the actor who played Ben, he didn't come out until publicly until a little bit after he did the show. And so I know it meant a lot to them personally and a lot to, you know, I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of men, a lot of gay men say that when the show was on, they would hide the DVDs or the, or the videotapes um, and didn't want anyone to know they were watching it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think one of them was actually um, the I, Ira on um, keep it. I think he was one of the people that said that story. I can't remember, but yeah, it's, it's just, I just think it, it changed a lot. It changed a lot of the scenery. And yes, there's still, we still have more room to grow, um, especially I think when it comes to people of color representation um, yeah. within that community. And I think there is some changes, like we're gonna talk about Pose in a couple of weeks. And I think that's a that's a big game changer in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I just I just adore this show a lot, you know, despite any any problems with it, I think, it's just a wonderful, amazing show. Okay. Yeah, well, I agree. Yeah. I do have to say one of my favorite things about the show is that when they're in the back room at Babylon, they always say hi to somebody. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hi, Todd. It's always Todd. It's always Todd. It's always Todd. Yes. Yes. And there is trivia on that. And I think there's only one season where it doesn't happen, but every season in the season opener, someone goes back there and says hi to Todd. <laughs> Todd, maybe he was a really good supporting actor. I don't know. <laughs> it would be interesting to actually look at those episodes and see if it's always the same guy. It is always the same. It is. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's always him. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's he's all friend. happy all the time, too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, seriously, we could, we'll have to do another show on Queer as Folk at some time too, at some, but at some point, especially because there's a lot of things that we didn't get to talk about, about some of the behind the scenes stuff. So, you know, that's really interesting and some of the impact they had on some of the people that would be the dancers at uh, Babylon. So, but we didn't get a chance to get that, but we will at some point. Um, but anyway, let's go around the room and have everybody close out with just saying where they can be found. If you want to be found, Joyce, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> but Joyce, so do, you, well. do you want to remain anonymous? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what I had a feeling. But thank you, you can't so find me. I'm mysterious. I'm <laughs> yeah, I have a few guests that are like that. So, <laughs> um, Sarah, where can they yeah, find you? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Sarah Alder at on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nothing awesome. extravagant. Um, I'm on Instagram once every year. So it's usually around pride. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. So. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, and if you have any feedback, any memories about Queers Folk, Anything else you want to add, feel free to email the show at itsafandomthinkpod at gmail.com. And I also, I throw this out every week during this month. Um, we do still have some room on our The L Word show and on Queer Baiting, which is, we're going to be recording those next weekend. So we do have room on those. And we do have a couple of spots on Pose um, and then on Sense8 as well. So if you are... <laughs> Okay, you can be on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so if if anyone's interested in being on those and possibly being on one of those, um, feel free to reach out to the show via Facebook, email, whatever um, is great. And then also, I just want to throw out there, if you can, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps us get found. Um, and like I said, next week we are going to be doing the L word and queer baiting and Sarah will be returning for those. So Sarah is going to be on almost every episode for the rest of the month. There's yeah. just one. There's just Yay, one. That she's not, I guess that was already full, but, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then we're going to have a, a few other people that haven't ever been on the show before too. So I'm excited about that and hoping that Joyce is going to be returning on some episodes too. So, so until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and black lives matter. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.